Good morning, church family. Welcome. It's good to be with you this Lord's Day as we celebrate for us. It's actually the third day of Advent for us. It's the second day that we're focusing on our Advent series that I've called Unexpected. You know, Advent is that time each year that we uh, consider uh, the fact that God sent his one and only son into this world to be the savior of the world. And we celebrate that through a time called Christmas. It's a time where we recognize that God not only sent his son into the world, but he sent Jesus to be the king of the world and to save us from our sins. Now, one might expect that the the king of the universe would come with all the pomp and circumstance you would imagine for kings to come. However, this is not how King Jesus came into this world. Jesus chose to, to come into this world as God in the flesh. A baby born to a peasant family with humble beginnings to serve humanity and to die in our place so that we could find freedom from sin, forgiveness of our sin, and eternal life with the Savior, Jesus Christ. Last week, we, uh, we spent time looking at how God broke his silence with the Israelites after nearly 400 years and announced the coming of the Messiah into this world in a very unexpected way. God sent Gabriel, the angel, to make an announcement to a a young girl named Mary who was uh, engaged to a young man named Joseph that Mary was chosen by God to be the servant of God, to bring the Savior, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, into this world to save people from their sins. Wondering how this would be because she was still a virgin, she inquired and and the angel Gabriel responded to Mary in this way. Gabriel said, Mary, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This meant that that Jesus, who was born unto us, is actually none other than God in the flesh, who has come to dwell among us. We learn that it was God who chose Mary, apart from anything that Mary had ever done, to be his servant. And by trusting in God's plan for her life, Mary was able to live into her new God-given identity, which helped her to trust God and to obey God throughout her life. Remember that the Israelites anticipated that the Messiah would come as a conquering king who would free them from the oppression that they were experiencing under Roman rule. But God had a different plan for the Messiah. God's plan for the Messiah was to bring freedom. But freedom from a different type of oppression that, that all of humanity was under. King Jesus, the Messiah, had come to bring freedom from the bondage of sin. In Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4, we read these words. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
so that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters of God. You know, the Bible says that at just the right time, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to fulfill all that God had promised to fulfill through a redeemer, to bring about a freedom from the oppression of sin and to set people on a track that they could find not only freedom from sin, but restoration in a relationship with God. The reason that Christmas is such a big deal is because Christmas is the time that we recognize and we celebrate that God decided it was just the right time in history to send his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save people from their sins. See, Christmas is the time when we recognize God sovereignly working out his plan of redemption. The sovereignty of God uh, is God's complete rule and reign over his creation. The fact that God is sovereign essentially means that, that, that he has the power, he has the wisdom and authority uh, to do anything that he chooses within his creation. Now, whether or not God uses that level of control in any circumstance uh, is another question that needs to be dealt with at another time. But here in the Christmas story, what we see is that, is that God is at work exercising his sovereign control over his creation, bringing fulfillment to the plan that he made way back in Genesis 3, that he would redeem humanity from the sin that had messed up our relationship with God. I want you to turn with me to, to Luke chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. Uh, now, this is a, a passage that is most likely one of the most well-known passages in all of the Bible. It tells the story of the birth of Jesus Christ in Bethlehem. Many families of the Christian faith read this every single year, so, so you should be very familiar with it. But it also tells us how God, uh, through his sovereign plan to save humanity from their sin, set in motion the sending of King Jesus into this world to be the savior of the world. Read along with me as we get into chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. God, as we reflect on the words of Scripture in the story of the birth of the King, the Messiah, the Savior who has come 
to save people from their sin. Open our eyes, open our hearts, reveal to us the truths within your word that can impact our lives so that we can uh, have a proper understanding of what this Christmas season is all about and the significance of your sovereign control in all things and how you have brought to us a savior for us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want to let you know that you can certainly download the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, and on that app, whether it's on a tablet or a phone, you can find uh, notes for uh, our church uh, under Alexandria Covenant Church. Uh, you can also go to our website if that's where you're watching this from. There is a notes tab on our webpage that you can click on that will uh, give you uh, accessibility to, to notes during each week's sermon. But point number one this morning, if you are taking notes, is simply this. Uh, King Jesus came into this world exactly when and where God had said he would come. It was during the time of Mary's pregnancy uh, with Jesus that a decree was issued by Caesar Augustus. He was the Roman emperor of the time that all should be registered for a census. Now, uh, Roman censuses were commonly issued uh, for two reasons. One, to gather information for those who needed to pay taxes. And the second was to determine military service obligations. Now, under Roman rule, Jews were exempt from military service. So it is uh, reasonable for us to consider that the census that was taken at this time was for taxation purposes. Uh, one of the requirements that the Roman government made for all of those living in Roman territory was that they needed to uh, go back to their ancestral town to register and to be counted for the census that was being taken. Now, it's important that we keep in mind that Joseph and Mary lived in Nazareth, not in Bethlehem. Some 80 miles north of Bethlehem, uh, was where Nazareth is. And Joseph, uh, who belonged to the house and the lineage of David, yes, this is David from the Old Testament, King David. This is the line that uh, Joseph belonged to. He needed to go to Bethlehem to register for the census. And as he goes to Bethlehem, he takes Mary with him. And it was during this time that they were in Bethlehem registering for the census that Jesus was born. For Mary, I imagine that making the 80-mile journey south from Nazareth to Bethlehem may have been a welcome journey in light of uh, the harsh weather, the conditions, and even the difficulty while traveling pregnant. Why? Well, Mary was known as that girl in Nazareth who was pregnant out of wedlock. She was the talk of the small town. She was the one that was often gossiped about. So for Mary to get a, a, a reprieve from that would have been certainly something that she could have looked forward to. Maybe Mary determined that the hardship of traveling and staying in Bethlehem paled in comparison to the challenges that she was facing from her friends, her family, and her neighbors but maybe not. Maybe Mary just simply understood 
that it was God's plan for her to be in Bethlehem, for her to give birth to her son, Jesus. But regardless, what we do recognize is that behind the scenes, God was at work orchestrating his plan to bring about the Messiah into this world at just the right time and in just the right place. An Old Testament prophecy from Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says these words, But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. You see, it was always God's plan from the beginning that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But Mary and Joseph, they lived in Nazareth. So how was this going to be? Well, unknown to Caesar Augustus at the time, God actually used him as his instrument to set in motion a decree for a census that needed to be taken. And this is exactly what God used to bring Mary and Joseph from Nazareth to Bethlehem so that Jesus would be born in David's ancient hometown, just as the scripture says. It's interesting because there are many scriptures of the Old Testament that prophesy to how the Messiah would be born into this world and who the Messiah would be. In his commentary, Warren Wiersbe wrote concerning prophecies fulfilled at Jesus' birth. said, God had promised that the Savior would be a human, not an angel, a Jew and not a Gentile. He would be from the tribe of Judah and the family of David. He would be born of a virgin in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, nothing is too difficult for God, is it? And in God's sovereign will and purpose and plan, we can trust that he will win and his way will always prevail. See, God often works things out in ways that we uh, maybe not recognize, could imagine, or would choose to do ourselves. But we serve a mighty God who is trustworthy, who is true, and who we can trust in any and all circumstances, and who we can believe that will, because of his sovereign control, power, and authority over all of creation, will bring to pass all that he says he will. Have you ever experienced a hardship in your life that actually turned out to be a blessing? (laughs) You know, when I was in the sixth grade, I was new uh, to the school that I went to. It was in a new community, and I didn't know a single student in that school. And I can remember the first day of school going to lunch. And, and at lunch, I actually sat at three different tables with boys. And every table that I sat at, I was told to get up and leave. And so I got up after the third time being told to leave, and I looked to the corner of the lunchroom. And I made a beeline to the furthest table that had nobody on it. And as I approached the table, another uh, boy approached the table. And we sat across from each other. And it was interesting because I I still remember having that feeling of, oh, 
Is he going to ask me to leave too? But no, Alex never asked me to leave. And what I learned is that Alex didn't know English and I didn't know Spanish. So between the two of us, all we had to share at that lunch was each other. But I got to tell you, at least we had each other. And it was from that moment on that I enjoyed a new friendship with my friend named Alex until he moved away. See, God used that experience in my life to help me to become mindful and sensitive to those around me, especially those who were different than me. Little did I know that the pain of being rejected and the joy of making a new friend would become so formative throughout my life. Listen, I know that in this crazy COVID season, life is not easy. COVID has brought to us so much pain and disruption and hardship to life. But I got to say that COVID has also brought opportunities to our life. COVID has brought opportunities for us as a church family to be selfless, to be sacrificial, to live our lives outside of ourselves and to be mindful of the needs of those around us. So let's not lose heart, church. God is still on his throne. He is still sovereign and in control over everything. And here's the good news. God still has a mission for his church. And if you're a part of the church family, then that mission includes you. You see, God wants us and he's called us to share the good news about Jesus Christ with everyone. And there's no better time than now during the Christmas time to share that good news where people will be open and receptive to receiving that good news. You see, God's rule and reign isn't just over the world, but God also wants to rule and reign over the heart of every person in this world as Savior, as Lord, and as King. I don't know if you've been on our website lately and checked out our Salt and Light campaign. But church family, if, if you haven't taken time to get on the website and look at the Salt and Light campaign and how you can be involved with that, I want you to know that this is an opportunity that we as a church leadership and family has, have provided for our church family to be selfless, to be sacrificial, to step outside the four walls of our building and to be salt and light, to be the hands and to be the feet, to put others before ourselves and consider that we have the opportunity to make a difference in the lives of people as we share people this Christmas season. I am so excited for all of the opportunities. We've got 11 or 12 opportunities for you to be involved with. So please, if you haven't, after this message and after our service today, go online to alexandriacovenant.org and check out all the ways. Click on the tab on the homepage, Salt and Light Campaign. Check out all the ways that you can serve and make a commitment this Christmas season to make yourself available to be salt and light, to be the hands and feet, 
to serve others in our community through our Salt and Light campaign. Point number two this morning, if you're taking notes, is simply this. King Jesus was not only born when and where God said he would be, but King Jesus was born as a servant into humble beginnings. You know, each Christmas we're reminded of the humble beginnings of our Lord and King Jesus Christ. Uh, we see nativity scenes set up all over the place. And, and honestly, if you just take time to look at them and then read the text, you realize that a lot of them don't give a real picture of what the nativity scene would have been like. But every one of them do a pretty good job of this, demonstrating that the beginnings of Jesus was a humble setting for the king. See, Luke writes in verses six and seven, he says, and while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for her, this was Mary, to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Can you imagine? The king of the universe comes to this world and there's no celebration. There's no party. There's no lights. There's no music. There's not even room in the inn to accommodate uh, a birth that would be appropriate for anybody, for that matter, yet alone a king. Because so many people had been flocking into Bethlehem from all over the, the, the Roman world who were uh, tied to the lineage of David. Bethlehem became a place overflowing with people. Mary and Joseph ended up staying in the only room made available to them, a shelter for animals, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, the Greek word translated inn is the word katalama. And traditionally, the inn was understood to be a hotel. But I, I got to tell you, I'm not convinced that Bethlehem was a big enough community or town to have a hotel. So it's likely it wasn't a hotel that uh, Mary and Joseph had wanted to stay at. Uh, Talama uh, brings about another uh, translation and it's, it's translated as, the, uh, as a guest room. And I really think that this is what Luke was getting at in this text when he talks about there not being room for Mary and Joseph in the inn, in the guest room. You see, first century homes typically had two floor plans to them. The one floor plan was an upper and a lower level home where the guest room and where the people lived was on the top level and they had the animals for their protective sake on the lower level. But there was another house plan that was uh, pretty common or standard at the time. And it was a one floor home that had a dividing wall in it. On one side is where the people stayed, and on the other side is where the animals were sheltered. Now, either way, it's likely that the place that Mary and Joseph stayed in Bethlehem, the guest room or the place, the side of the home or the level of the home was full of people, and there wasn't any more room for them. So what they were given by their friends or family or whoever they stayed with, was the only place made available to them. And it was a shelter with a manger where the animals had stayed. 
Now, Bethlehem, and more specifically, the shepherd's fields and caves near Bethlehem, is the place where the lambs were born and the sheep were raised that would be used for the sacrifices at the temple in Jerusalem. As we consider the significance of Jesus' birth in which he was born in Bethlehem, not only can we recognize God's sovereign plan being fulfilled, but we also must recognize something else that I think is significant. And it's this. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world was born in Bethlehem. The very place were the lambs that were born, that were used for sacrifice at the temple in Jerusalem, were born as well. You see, Jesus, in his life, in his death, and in his resurrection, became the living and ultimate sacrifice for your sin and for mine. Jesus was born a king to a peasant family, away from home, in the company of animals, and under some of the most undesirable conditions. But Jesus' lowly birth identified him with society's underclass. You see, God didn't come to save the greatest among us, the most important people in society. Jesus came humbly as a servant to identify with all people so that he could be the savior of the world. Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 through 11, we read these words. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. During that first advent, when Jesus Christ was born into this world, Jesus came as a humble servant to live and to die in our place so that in him and through him, we could find forgiveness of our sin and eternal life with God. You see, this is God's gift to us at Christmas. It's his one and only son, Jesus Christ. I got to tell you, there's a second advent coming. It's when the Lord Jesus Christ returns to this earth. And when he shows up, he will show up as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And he will be coming to us riding on a white horse. And his army will follow him. And he will wipe out and destroy the earth as we know it. And he will reestablish the earth and reestablish his kingdom on the earth upon which he will rule and reign as the king he is. 
But until that day, until that day, we will continue to celebrate the gift that God gave to us on that first Christmas day. A gift of love packaged in the person of Jesus Christ, God's one and only son. I want to leave you this morning with a question for you to ponder. The question is this. Do you have room in your life for Jesus Christ to be your savior and for Jesus to be your king? You know, anytime that Gwen and I uh, have guests in our home, uh, we make arrangements for them to come. And part of those arrangements is not only scheduling when they will come, but we also take time to clean our house. We take time to, to uh, tighten things up and to make sure that everything is in its place when our guests arrive. And too often, I think that this is how we think we need to live our lives as we consider finding room for Jesus in our life. You see, Jesus wants to take up residence in our life, but he wants to come to us just the way we are. He doesn't want us to clean up our life and get things in order, stop the sin that's in our life that's so prevalent, uh, clean up this, clean up our language, uh, clean up uh, our thoughts before we say yes to Jesus. No, Jesus says, I want to come to you just the way you are. And I want to take residence in your life just the way you are. And I want to become the king of your life. And then I want you to let me clean up your life so that you can become more like Jesus. See, isn't that good news? That God wants us to be in a relationship with him. And he invites us. Yet we need to respond to him. We can't make our life right enough in order to be good enough for God. All we can do is acknowledge that we're sinners, that we need a savior, and that we're no longer going to be the king of our life, but we're going to let Jesus be the king who rules our life. When we do that, we invite Jesus into our life. He cleans us up. He takes care of the sin problem that we have. And then he sets us in the direction that is a life of selfless sacrifice to the glory of God the Father. See, Christmas is the time of year that we recognize and we remember that God sent Jesus into this world to be the Savior and the King of our life. And I believe that God wants nothing more for you this Christmas than for you to make room for him, the greatest gift of all in your life. Say yes to Jesus and live your life allowing him to be the king and not you. And in doing so, I believe that we can live the life that God has planned for us to live. May the Lord bless you this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful today for the birth of your one and only son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, you came to this earth humbly as a servant to die in our place so that our sin could be forgiven. 
You've given us a way to have life and eternal life. You did it selflessly and you did it sacrificially out of love for us. Help us this Christmas to receive that gift into our life, but also share that gift with others to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.